Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin. My name is Matt Bruskin. I'm the Deputy Director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. Unfortunately, our panel is short. Rebecca Lynch this week. Rebecca and the Working Families Party are preparing a big event tonight at the uh, South Shore Pavilion. Uh, I'll be attending. It's a first party they're having, so good luck to Rebecca and Lynch and the Working Families Party with that, but we will miss her this week. Um, we're going to actually have a really good conversation about our economy and uh, the race for governor and what we ought to be doing. And she would have had some great insight, but we look forward to her returning next week. But as always, we have Robert Craig, the executive director here at Citizen Action. Good day, everyone. All right. Good morning, Robert. So as I previewed there, we want to spend some time chatting about the economy and how do you create jobs because it is becoming a defining issue in the gubernatorial election, but it is a huge issue right now in our current events in terms of uh, last week on the podcast, we mentioned that Kimberly Clark had announced uh, not only were they going to be laying off like 5,000 workers nationally, but there would be 600 workers that were going to be laid off over the next year or so at two plants uh, here in the Fox Valley. And that got a response from Governor Walker that I thought was worth us having a conversation about. And that is that Governor Walker announced on Monday that he thought that the state should give Kimberly Clark a Foxconn-sized job incentive to avoid the closure. So this, of course, um, is huge news. Um, and Robert, um, we'll get into some more of the details, but it's my understanding, and I just want to start by saying... Foxconn-like deal. Foxconn, we were supposed to have Foxconn, and the whole reason for the deal, which we talked about last week, I believe eight times your average in incentive for job Matt, creation. At least. That's generous. <laughs> the Foxconn. The Foxconn was going to happen because it was a once-in-a-lifetime generational opportunity to create a whole new cluster, a whole new sector, big, exciting things. So that's why it was worth turning over bags of money to Foxconn. Let's just say that uh, we need to not just be critical of Walker. Progressives need, a, need an economic strategy uh, that's better, right, and that convinces people that this is the road to opportunity. So we can pick it apart, but if he has the only proposal in town, and that's one of the problems with Foxconn because the Democrats don't have a unified big proposal the size of Foxconn, right, uh, then it's still a problem, even though the Foxconn is unpopular. So we'll get into that, and I definitely, we're going to, by the way, listen, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this, but I want to at least start with this premise, right? Even if we, if you were to accept that Foxconn was a good well, idea, right? Like this whole premise that it would apply to Kimberly Clark as a stepping off point. We knew this was a slippery slope. We knew the Foxconn would become the standard for every major corporation, right? That you couldn't just pay this bribe, which is what it is, right? to one company, and so we don't know if Kimberly Clark wants this bribe or not, right? Uh, Our producer asked that when he walked in this morning. Did they even ask for this money? I was like, oh, Brian, 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 please. Maybe, <laughs> it if, doesn't matter. If you were cynical, you'd say that the whole thing is playing for it, but maybe not. Maybe there's no bribe uh, that would do it, right? Um, just, so that that's for starters, but there's a slippery slope because that's not an economic strategy going company by company. You simply get held up either by, you know, the community that's going to be impacted because it obviously wants to protect the jobs, understandably, or the, uh, 
or, or the corporation itself, and each, how many corporations go to threaten to leave and threaten to downsize unless they get the Foxconn, and will we have any schools or universities or, or roads or bridges left when the, with all the revenue? It's a really good point to just even beg the question, right? Like, do they even want this money, right? Like, does this even fit into their broader scheme as to, like, why they're losing these jobs? So uh, a good question, and that actually get us to one of the Democratic proposals that at least starts to address that question. Keep going, Robert. So it's not a strategy, right? And in fact, it's good for them. I mean, conservatives, this is where Democrats need to be careful because they want to strangle the state, basically, which is not government, as they call it, when, with, with their seething kind of like disdain for government. It's our democracy and its power, right, versus private economic power. This is just a, a sell-off. And companies will extract the wealth. This is an extraction economy. And then once they're finished extracting, leave, and there'll be, there won't be anything behind left, the educated workforce, the universities, the K-12 through system, the healthcare system, et cetera, et cetera. And so, and you'll, you know, have, and just like we've seen, you know, a Flint, Michigan, what happens when a, a major industry just extracts wealth and then abandons it, right? So Kimberly-Clark is doing that. Kimberly-Clark is profitable, highly profitable, because of these workers, they're, they're, they've just got a huge tax bonus uh, from, from Trump. Uh, manufacturing has already been made tax-free in the highly expensive and untargeted manufacturing agricultural tax credit by Governor Walker. So Tammy Baldwin rightly asks, how much is enough? And they're, they've admitted they're taking their corporate tax cut from Washington, which is much bigger than anything Walker is offering them, right? And doing and doing corporate uh, stock buybacks and and raising dividends to shareholders and increasing salaries for executives and just abandoning their own workers. Nothing Walker, I mean, is doing is 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 a, is, a, is spitting spitting in the wind compared to that. This has to do with. Uh, the, the corporate, the Wall Street ethic of take everything you can get, period, and job creation or commitment to any community that helped you profit is completely an afterthought and expendable. So two, two important things I want to underscore there. One is this whole point that in Wisconsin, manufacturers like Foxconn, like Kimberly Clark, essentially pay little or no corporate or personal income tax on profits, right, from those operations. Which was because a huge tax giveaway in 2011 and not targeted to job creation did not say that you literally had to maintain your current workforce. If it did, then Kimberly Clark, to get it five years ago, wouldn't be able to do this. But Walker wants to give money to corporations and trust them to do the right thing, either not caring, I think a real possibility, or believing in some sort of weird ideological dogmatic way that what's good for corporations is good for people, uh, which is just not true because corporations – as currently constituted, because they could be structured differently, they could be different requirements on them than there used to be uh, within our lifetimes, uh, but specifically, employment is an afterthought. If, if employing people, even if those people commit their lives and create the profit, it creates more the most profit, more than employ them. If not, then cut them off. That is the Wall Street ethic, and make as much profit right now as possible. That's why the stock market's going bonkers, partly because it's going bonkers over destructive activity like this. And, and for our listeners, it's the manufacturer and agricultural tax credit yes. that that is essentially what Robert was referencing in 2011 that makes it so most of these folks, they, they don't pay anything. And so as we've talked about on Which Foxconn, is enough money to make huge investments in prosperity that would create much more prosperity and many more jobs across the state than 
than these tax cuts could, even if you believe that they're job creating. I, I, I want to talk a little bit more about Senator Baldwin, right? Because this is an important reason why it's important to have somebody like Senator Baldwin in the U.S. Senate. She's taking her position here that she's laying out that you mentioned about how many tax breaks do you need is a really important sort of 30,000 feet kind of critique and analysis because it gets to some of when we start talking about solutions and where I think even some of us on the left or the Democrats, we, we fall down, right? These folks, in Bal I want to get this quote from Baldwin. She says, it's not right. It's not fair. It's simply wrong for a company to use corporate tax breaks to reward the wealth of its executives and shareholders through increased dividends, more stock buybacks, while closing facilities and laying off workers. It's important to understand that Kimberly Clark got $192 million from the, uh, corporate, the, from the recent tax cuts. They planned to spend $90 million on stock buybacks. So as we briefly mentioned last week on the podcast, they're essentially taking the, the corporate tax breaks they got and using it to enrich themselves, right? And so Baldwin deserves huge credit, right? This is still an in-state company, lots of in-state jobs. There is usually a great deal of timidity to like really come in and critique an in-state company like this. And I actually think this is huge because I, I think she's sharply critiquing the people and the, the, the wealthy fat cats at the top that are benefiting from this. Because the folks on the ground get that. They get their loyal to Kimberly Clark as employees and their union and their workers and, you know, and, and the interactions in the community. We have a number but of, these jokers have nothing to do with the community. And we have a number of Citizen Action organizing co-op members in the area who, are, who, who work for Kimberly Clark. And so the ones I've talked to, they certainly would like to be loyal to Kimberly Clark and have gotten a lot out of working there, but obviously have similar concerns. You know... I've been on a radio talk show that's also on 15, 10 a.m., like, like, like Battleground Wisconsin is, uh, in the southeast Wisconsin, where callers have called in and asked that why Tammy Baldwin is so tame and soft and that she isn't really a fire-breathing progressive. They want to see Bernie Sanders, right? They want to see Elizabeth Warren. And there's an example where, I mean, Tammy's style is much softer and nicer, which has served her well in her political mm. career. But here... As far as I've seen, I've not, I've not read the statements of all, whatever it is, 16 Democratic candidates. We'll get into some of that but after hers the Hers is the best I've seen so far. I don't want to, I want to say one of the others may have one in the same range, because it gets to the fundamental question that we have a, we have a, a current corporate ethic, which has no loyalty to communities, no loyalty to workers, and bribing them short term to stay um, is not an economic strategy, uh, particularly since the, the Trump administration just gave them way more money, and their reaction was to literally use the money for stock buybacks and 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 dividends, etc. So, with that though, we got to take a break. We're going to talk a lot more about this again. We're Battleground Wisconsin. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We're talking about jobs, the economy, uh, we're in, and what Governor Walker's and the Republicans' approach has been around Foxconn and now Kimberly Clark, but also what we ought to be doing. So we have been, before we went to the break, we were lauding Senator Baldwin for how she has weighed in on this and um, really gone after 
the muckety-mucks over there at Kimberly-Clark, and, and in particular, the fact that they are basically taking their corporate tax cuts and tax breaks, right, and using it for stock buybacks to enrich them while they're closing plants. And b- before I go back to you, Robert, I also want to point out, Kimberly-Clark made money last year. They had profits last year. We're not talking about a company that's like about to go under or anything. No, now, no, we know it's a competitive industry. No, I'm not, it's not suggesting even that. that. Wall Street demands as much profit as you can get. So no, no profit is enough. Do you see what I mean? So it doesn't matter. It used to be a company was satisfied with, it, with, with billions of dollars in profits, right? And now it's not. And I was referencing how there had been a change. People tend to assume that the world we live in is somehow natural, right? And is, I mean, corporations originally were found in the 19th century as things that had specific charters for public benefit. They then became an economic engine during the Gilded Age after the Civil War. But into the early 1980s, there were state laws that said a corporation had to operate in the public interest and could not only maximize shareholder value and that workers were and communities were some of the stakeholders. A series of court decisions in the Reagan administration by right-wing judges invalidated, preempted all those laws as allegedly a violation of interstate commerce, even though corporations are chartered in individual states, which is a conundrum, so they can find the most beneficial state, like Delaware, right, or New Jersey, states like that, uh, for regulatory purposes. And so we've gone into a new version of capitalism. You hear some people on the side say being anti-capitalist. It's not about necessarily being anti-capitalist, at least not in the near term, because the Scandinavian countries are capitalist, right? It's the range of types of capitalism. And so we've gone to a particularly ravenous kind of finance capitalism that cares nothing other than immediate stock value in the short term, which is why the stock market is a bubble, folks. And so we don't, but Walker's little plans to brought, to give away more of our precious resources that could go to building prosperity and long-term wealth to them mean nothing other than, other than more destructiveness, because he, he's unwilling to even accept how modern corporate capitalism is structured against average people and that we have a, an economic crisis in this country that's going to get worse, not better, until we get it that the power of democracy is what's needed to balance the power of these of, of Wall Street-driven corporate profit. So just to add a little fact, since you know we're, we're, we're progressives, we like facts, this is a company that had $3.3 billion in operating profit in 2017, right? Just to underscore, we're, we're, we're not yeah, talking... Yeah, so it was not hyperbole <laughs> when I said billions, right? Some may have said, oh, billions? Or is Robert overstating it? No. <laughs> but not, not enough. Wall Street says it could be higher. So again, you know... And th- right away, even if it leads to less wealth in the future, because we also have moved to an age of hollow corporations. It used to be a corporation had all of these hard assets, but there's what's been called the Nikeization of the economy. Does Nike own manufacturing plants? Is there a huge workforce of Nike workers? No, they just subcontract to the same plants that move all over the country to the lowest labor costs, all over the world, excuse me, uh, that every other manufacturer, Reebok uses, Adidas uses. They're already made in the same places, and as soon as labor costs get too high in Vietnam, they jump over to, pa- to Bangladesh. Robert, Foxconn is one of those types of companies, yes, exactly. right, for the iPhone. And now they've They're found here. Wisconsin a good no. place to come and exploit, that, that Walker is as, is, 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 you know, advantageous as Bangladesh or Thailand or other impoverished countries, uh, which actually those countries, because of the structure of the global economy, don't take this as nativism at all or xenophobia, have few options. 
Uh, Wisconsin has options. We just choose because of the uh, of the degraded nature of our leadership and the fact it's been taken over by these by by these by the same ideology. We just choose to get to give our precious assets away to be exploited. So let's um, let's start. I want to go back to the actual deal in the proposal, right? So one of the problems that we mentioned when Foxconn first started was, okay, if this is good for Foxconn, well, why not elsewhere, right? And so Kimberly Clark is the natural first extension of that. But like, it just begs the question, right? Like, and this is the problem with this kind of economic philosophy. You know, if it's good for Kimberly Clark, it's good for all the paper industry. Walker's pretty much there now. Um, now that it's no longer... Foxconn-like incentives are for once-in-a-lifetime generational transformative investments. No, it's actually just to prop up a local paper company that's reaping profits. And you know, you it's know, one thing, Soglin. At what point? I know you're going to go through the Democratic <laughs> candidate that is next, yes, and legislative response. But Soglin said something interesting apropos to what you're saying, which I thought was interesting. I like Tammy's response better, but I like an element of Paul Soglin's response, and that is he said. It's basically about covering up Walker's economic failures, that rather having invested in, in, in a strong workforce, in, uh, in, in building up wages, he hasn't. And now he has to simply shell out money begging, basically, to keep jobs here. And so it's sort of like, the, to give a baseball analogy, it's like the team that doesn't have a strong farm system, doesn't invest in it, and then just tries to win by, by, with expensive free agents on short-term contracts. That's exactly that's what this is. So I like, I like that aspect of Soglin's critique as an addition to, to Senator Baldwin's critique. Yeah, I believe fans of the uh, football team that plays in Washington are familiar with that uh, strategy <laughs> of building a football team. Uh, so, Robert, you bring it up. I, I want it spend some time actually talking about looking at some of the democratic responses, um, getting your thoughts, having a conversation about that. Before we get into the nuts and bolts or the particulars of what we've heard from the gubernatorial candidates, let's actually talk about a little bit about the proposal or what's being proposed by um, the local legislators. Um, so the same day that Walker announced his Foxconn-like plan, uh, Senator Dave Hansen, Representative Amanda Stuck, uh, uh, Leader Hints, and um, Tom Nelson, the county executive uh, from Ottagabee County, and, and, and Representative Stuck and Senator Hansen are members of ours. So Absolutely. We, so we're, we're we we admire them greatly. But go ahead. So they obviously got out right away on this, and it. Let, let me start by pointing out. Let's remind everybody about Thomas Nelson and Governor Walker's previous exchange around this issue. Mm-hmm. Remember, we talked about this last year when when uh, Tom Nelson confronted him at went up and started talking to him at the uh, Lambeau Field, and Walker yeah. blew up on him. Yeah. Folks, this it was, it was on outsourcing. It, it, yes, but he was also during this time had been sending letters trying to get him to respond about what had been going on in the paper industry. And folks, just because there's 600 jobs that were just recently announced, you know, there were over 900 jobs that have been lost through the Kimberly Clark and these and it, you over mean the last year Governor and a half. Walker's jobs agency, WEDEC, is on top of that, Matt? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, so he's been totally unresponsive to, to uh, County Executive Nelson. Uh, and Nelson was really pushing around one of the proposals that they threw out yesterday, right? Or the, earlier this week on Monday. 
But essentially, you know, so the Democrats came out, the the leaders from the area, basically saying, no, 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 we, you know, this Foxconn, that that's not what we need. We need something much more particular, first of all, to the industry. We need something that's targeted at looking at what might actually keep this uh, this plants open. So. Uh, one part is that we, you'd actually have them available to get money to be able to upgrade their facilities, particularly around renewable energy, things like that. But Nelson's very interested in having $30 million for a fund that could actually help these plants make the transfer from mostly producing white paper or the kind of paper we're familiar with when we type and do all that. But the real big growing industry is in brown paper and cardboard and all the boxes and the shipping that's going on. And can we help think about how we strategically make this transfer? So... Robert, I want to get your thoughts sort of just on this approach. Well, targeted is always better than these broad giveaways like Trump and like Walker, okay? So it makes, I mean, I don't, it's not, it, it's sort of like if, if you have a short-term crisis here for a region, which you do, then it might be justified to do these sort of things as a stopgap, but I don't want to see it as a substitute for a long-term economic strategy, Right. But what makes it seem to make sense, not knowing all the facts, and Thomas, Thomas Nelson, who I've uh, known for a long time, is uh, very wonky, so I'm sure he's dug into it. I'd have to be convinced, and that he may have done this work already, that, uh, that Kimberly Clark would maintain a certain number of jobs if they made this transition, that we're helping with it alone. That's a lot better than a grant and just a permanent tax break, so that sounds good, right? Um, so it's really Kimberly Clark taking out a loan from us, and that we have an analysis that uh, on the on the lifespan of this. In other words, and that we're sure it can't be fully automated, so we lose the jobs anyway. So Thomas has probably done this thinking, but I can see it. You do have from time to time situations. I think at the Janesville GM plant that we lost, where you need to take some sort of targeted approach that helps keep a major industry in a region. But you still have to have enough resources for o the overall investments we really need to create op opportunity long-term in the state and not eat the seed corn. So it's far better, not knowing all the facts, it's not my first choice, but it might be when you're actually making tough decisions, sometimes you have to do things that are not ideal because they're practical at the time, as long as they're also paired with a long-term strategy and you still have the investments you need for, for true prosperity. So before we go to break, Robert, I think that's a really important point, first of all, that is quite frankly very different than Foxconn. It didn't exist, right? We're talking about an industry that is completely interwoven into a community and fundamentally important to a lot of other businesses that have sprung up around it and, and so so here's so, my concern they have so much profits they have access to cheap capital it i just wonder does fox does uh, kimberly clark even want to do this they could get this loan on very good terms right now if they wanted to do it we got to go to break i'll talk about that but that is the that's the sucker right the sucker is they're so embedded into our community again we are citizen action and this is the battleground wisconsin welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org, and we are talking about economic development policy, jobs, uh, in light of both Foxconn, but also uh, the deals that are being announced or the strategies that are being announced to try to deal with the Kimberly Clark continuing to hemorrhage jobs. Recently announced 600 jobs were going to be lost. This is in addition to over 900 that have been lost in uh, over the last year or so. Um, and then Governor Walker's announcement that uh, he would like to give them a Foxconn-like plan. So, which, as we've just summarized, is 
about like turning over bags of money to them. But so, Robert, we had started to talk about the Democratic plan, talked a little bit about what what was being offered by the local representatives and how it's a tough spot when you have a company, an industry that is iconic in the region, that still employs over around 3,000 people in the region, is connected to all this. A lot of them union workers, yep. good jobs, okay. And, and, and so that is like, it is hard to under, hard not to like um, take that into consideration as opposed to like in the Racine area, the thing didn't exist. So it's not like it has that kind of deep connection. So, so that is going to lead to the response you talked about. How do we try to save this? How do we mm -hmm. also allay fears in the community that like, <laughs> you know, that this is... And just remember, Governor Doyle spiral. and Thompson before him shoveled money at GM and they still eventually closed yes. the Janesville plant. So, so again, not really a solution, um, not something we're thrilled with, but understand. And it's certainly, again, it's, it's a fraction of what we'd probably likely to give if we give over a Foxconn like. But let's, I, I want to go through some of the other Democratic candidates running for governor because we've talked about... This is one of the defining debates, and we really think the Democrats, in particular the Democratic gubernatorial candidates, need to be sharp on this in terms of what their vision is. So, Robert, let's talk a little bit about, um, you have not had the chance to, you told me before the show, really dive into what has been said. So I'm just going to read you some of what's been said, and we realize this doesn't fully necessarily capture any the candidates <laughs> of all of their any particular policies but it at least this is what got out into the press so this is sort of what the current frame is and it's mm -hmm. worth and it's worth uh discussing so let me start with state superintendent school superintendent tony evers so he said he noted that WEDEC did not um did not contact the parent company Kraft Heinz between the announcements of its merger so this is sorry i'm He's talking about yes. Oscar Meyer, so he, he said he's wondering, I think, yes, I looked right. at this, How? whether or not uh, Weedak was on top of what's going on at Kimberly-Clark, and I hate to say it, probably not. Probably not. And then he gets into it. He says, the state cannot open its wallet for every short term, every single time Governor Walker's job strategy doesn't pan out. Wisconsin families rely on these real Wisconsin jobs. If we're going to offer financial incentives to Kimberly-Clark, it's critical. We include taxpayer protections to ensure... These remaining, these remaining good family-supporting jobs, and they stay here in Wisconsin. Your thoughts, Robert? So I see some of what I saw from Soglin, which I liked, which is the idea that this is trying to cover up Walker's failed economic strategies and agenda, right? And it, it just with a short-term fix in an election year, we might add. And I might also add that Walker himself is acting like Wall Street Corporation. He's going to extract from Wisconsin bankrupt us to keep himself in office and then depart with no worries or concerns whatsoever because it's not his problem anymore. So, Robert, what about the remedy? I think there needed to be, as I said at the beginning of the show, the beginning of the first segment, you can make all the critiques you want. These are pretty good critiques. You better be offering your own bold economic agenda that'll, that'll create more a lot more jobs. And, he, and I didn't hear it there. Maybe the reporter, he said it, and the reporter didn't report it. Yeah, no. I mean, look, this seems like a great opportunity as state superintendent to actually talk about what kind of investments actually could go into not only just public education, but like the broadly speaking education and investments and in actually training healthcare, our the workforce. Healthcare, right? like, yeah. the renewable energy investments and, and conservation investments we may we could make that would create jobs and prevent help prevent a climate catastrophe. Okay, yeah. so you're getting into more solutions. So let's go back to what 
so we got we we've talked about Soglin. Let's talk about Matt Flynn. Matt Flynn said uh, he described it as a quick fix. Flynn pledged that if he's elected, he'll terminate the state's contract with Foxconn. Quote, the proper way to govern is to create an economy where a so- and a society where businesses want to locate and workers want to live. We should be investing in schools and infrastructure, which attract businesses and workers to Wisconsin. Uh, best response, other than Senator Baldwin so far, but I do want to say before angry campaign managers send me emails <laughs> that Citizen National Wisconsin were quoted in the media a lot, and I, my best thing is often not in the story. So I don't. And so, so it's possible that the great thing that I'm asking for was said by said candidate, but we're just looking at what's reported. And, and of course, we said that at yes. the beginning. Yes. But, and this is a little bit less to necessarily say, ooh, they're terrible, they're bad. It's just to talk about, like, how is this being communicated? Because we think this is really important. So what I see from Matt Flynn is clearly what he'd do, cancel the Foxconn contract, yep. and then clarity on what he'd do instead. Okay, so I, so, so, far, so I rate that as a very good response. Tammy Baldwin's is, is at another level even because she has a critique of, of modern, uh, of a corporation like Kimberly-Clark and how it got giant Trump tax cuts and chose to use it to, to eliminate employees when it's profitable and they created the profits. And not to mention uh, Walker's Manufacturer Agriculture Tax Credit. Yeah. We threw tax-free status at them, and they're still doing this. So, but I like, so, so far, I'm liking Matt Flynn's. All right. So next, Mike McCabe. He calls this crony capitalism. Good, true. The line for handouts will get longer and longer, and we Wisconsin's were talking about economy that earlier, the slippery slope will right? continue to lag behind the rest of the countries. Good on the critique side. So there you go. Did he have a... That's all we got. Now, that okay, doesn't he, mean he doesn't. No, have, he might well. He but, might well okay, have solutions, so I'm but at say least we get his critique. Incomplete, <laughs> excellent on the critique. He may have uh, the positive vision. It just wasn't reported by who's the newspaper, the media outlet we're looking at. This is, I believe, the State Journal. I okay. need to, uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm not. And they have limited space. I'm yeah. not even blaming the reporter, and but I, go and, ahead. And again, we're going to keep doing this, so it's like, mm-hmm. don't worry. We, we get around to everybody eventually, but um, we think this is important because it's just, it, it's helpful, right, in terms of thinking forward and what are we saying as opposed to just what are we critiquing. Um, Malin Mitchell, I'm going to, uh, this is uh, from a, uh, a separate article, actually, from the Cap Times, U- I believe. Union fellow and should know that the steel workers are the main union. I. Uh, yeah, at Kimberly Clark. So Malin, it says here, Malin, president of the firefighters, Democratic candidate, said Tuesday if he were in the legislature, he would vote to approve a plan to keep Fox Valley plants open. Yes, we should keep 600 family-supporting jobs, generational jobs here in the state. We should do that, Mitchell said, adding, he doesn't want the government to get in the business of picking winners or losers, and he questioned whether Walker's desire... Uh, to act was tied to his re-election bid and noted several other plant closures that he did not lead to tax incentive offers, highlighting, again, the Oscar Mayer plant, like Soglin did, uh, that closed last year's, and the Jefferson uh, Tyson food plant in 2016. So that's just a little little flavor. Robert, your thoughts? A little bit internally contradictory, and Malin's a fairly recent entrant into the race, so... I'd want to work, want to work out the themes. He seems to be saying, but it's in different order, that this is an exigent situation, as I was saying. So therefore, he'd be for a plan. He doesn't say which plan. I nope. hope it's, if he's for the Walker plan, I'm concerned. But there's vagueness <laughs> as to what he means. He might be for a plan like the 
Tom Nelson, Dave Hansen, Amanda Stuck plan and Gordon Hintz plan. Uh, he then says that we shouldn't pick winners and losers. Do not love that framing because I actually think that that's, that's, a, that's a justification for things like broad tax cuts for everyone with no standards. I think we should be not picking individual companies their winners and losers, but we should certainly be picking winning and losing sectors like renewable energy, like education, like healthcare, which are job intensive and needed for many reasons, right? Um, then he he talks about it being a slippery slope, which is the right that which is the right frame, and also what we saw from um, Mike McCabe, and which we talked about earlier. And so, but I maybe he said there was a positive vision. I don't know but more of a C-plus here. There's some good stuff in it, but there's also uh, some less good stuff. I'm sure there is much more, and I look forward to, by the way, any candidates who have comments that want to send us, we'll be happy to continue to read and discuss these types of comments that people are making on the economy. We think this is, again, it's absolutely critical. We think it's a huge weak spot, um, and really hope that these candidates articulate a, a, a vision, right? Not just a critique of, of the governor. And then a critique that gets to the core of it as well. Right. Like the way Baldwin was critiquing. We're really right. And, and, and McCabe and was McCabe, good on yep. the core of it. Yep, yeah. Right. Um, and, and part of it is, again, it's like you have to be sharp in order to cut through this idea that somehow you're critiquing the company and the people that actually, <laughs> let's be honest, make the place work in, in the Fox Valley from this horrendous corporate, you know, like neoliberal profit-seeking machine, right? You know, business. And As and, for the time being, we're in a yeah. capitalist economy, though that's a wide range from Scandinavia yeah. uh, to, you know, the worst aspects of American capitalism. Uh, it's not about being anti-corporation. It's about anti-bad corporations, right. bad corporate behavior, irresponsible corporate behavior, blood-sucking extractive <laughs> behavior exactly. that eats the seed corn, takes wealth from the committee, and then leaves and now offshores the capital, which is what we're seeing in the in the Wall Street-driven uh, capitalism of today. So with that, though, we got to get out of here. And we're Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We are Citizen Action. You can find us at citizenactionwi.org. We have been spending a lot of time here talking about the Kimberly Clark situation and how um, both Governor Walker has responded to it and Democratic candidates have responded to it. But before we go on to our next subject, we do want to mention that we at Citizen Action are actively engaging the gubernatorial, the Democratic gubernatorial candidates. We mentioned a forum that we did with uh, Working Families Party and our Wisconsin Revolution and the Wisconsin Federation of Nurses and Health Professionals around healthcare a couple weeks ago in Milwaukee. Um, we are doing our first candidate forum that will be connected to Citizen Action's endorsement process in Eau Claire this Saturday, February 10th at 9.30 at the Eau Claire Children's Theater. Uh, starting at 9.30, we'll have coffee and some donuts and folks uh, hang out some of the candidates will be there early. We can mix and mingle. And then from 10 to 11.30, we're going to have a, a forum that will uh, engage these candidates and, and get them to really comment about our platform and the issues that are uh, pressing, that, are, that we're facing, including this economic question we just talked about. Um, and also our members 
who are in our cooperatives will then be giving us feedback on what they think of the candidates. Do they think we should be endorsing all of that? And, you know, how do they think people did so that we can have much better information uh, to see if we could make a decision about which one of these candidates of citizen action were to endorse. So if you're interested in that, it is open to the public. Uh, you have to be a member in order to, to be able to vote and participate in our internal process, but we are encouraging folks who might uh, want to learn more about these candidates to come here uh, and consider joining our organizing cooperative. Uh, Jeff Smith will be there, our organizing director up there. So really hope you can make it out this Saturday if you're in the western Wisconsin Eau Claire area. And we'll have details, uh, we have details on our website about that. But Robert, I want to talk a little health care with you. Some health care first. Because big news was announced today, we record on Thursday morning, around Obamacare. And the numbers are in for how many people have signed up in the, I guess you'd call it the previous or current open enrollment period. That was one month, if you were on the federal exchange, a little background here, right? Uh, there's been tremendous sabotage of the exchange, but uh, in spite of that, we have 11 point. 8 million people enrolled in Obamacare. That is down just slightly, but there's good reasons for that, obviously. Robert, I want to get your thoughts. Uh, this number is just coming out today. What, how does this, what do you expect? Does this seem in line? Are you, do, are you optimistic about this, or um, what are your thoughts? I'm not long-term optimistic because a weakened sabotage Affordable Care Act is not the answer. I'm optimistic in that they've not been able so far to sabotage it effectively and it's still here and it can be built upon and stabilized. Uh, and we get, we get into the 2018 elections, we can change the composition of Washington uh, Congress and therefore protect, protect it. Um, clearly the public wants more, uh, but it is fascinating. So they eliminate all the promotion of it. They eliminate the individual mandate they shortened the sign-up period. They created massive amounts of news about how terrible it was and how high the prices were and how unaffordable it was. And it was a death Imploding. spiral. And they didn't have any choices and the companies were banging People the market. It. it was a it's disaster. Awful. It had failed and everything. From the great, great, one of the greatest propagandists of our age, Trump, who gets endless uh, nonstop media. Despite all of that, enrollment only goes down 3%. Even though prices are much higher for people who don't get the, the subsidies, uh, than they need to be because of all this sabotage and because there are fewer people in the system. All they manage to do is raise prices for people and they still need it. Why? Because more and more people who are not Medicare eligible yet don't have good health insurance at work. And, the, and, it's, and we, have a, we have a system where the gig economy, uh, independent contractors, uh, people who, who go from job to job rather than staying one place for 40 years, changing the structure of the economy, people who want to start a small business, take care of a parent or a child, all the reasons people leave a job with employment and all the jobs that don't provide good health insurance benefits. Two-thirds of small businesses can't afford health benefits, so their workers need a place to buy insurance and to get coverage, which is a fundamental human right. So. It is amazing. From their standpoint, from the right standpoint, it's a horror story it, it, where, where, the, where, the, where the villain can never die, no matter how, much, how often they stab it, right? But there's a reason for that. And the reason is that 
it, support is growing for the idea that healthcare is a necessity, it's a fundamental right, and that everyone needs to have it. And the only way to get that is a much more robust involvement for our democracy, for the public sector, until we get to a full universal system. Therefore, conservative ideology, which is to eliminate the government role and take the money and give it to corporations, is fundamentally inconsistent with what is now a fundamental American value. I, I got to tell you, I'm stunned by the numbers. I was expecting massive drops just because I'm you cut just the sheer fact of cutting the enrollment period right in and of itself down to what right they around did. it's right around Christmas, you know. Just I thought alone. Would, a lot of people don't even know it because they cut the advertising. Would would really impact it. But, you know, the, the idea that it wasn't advertised, that there was very little, that the cost, and, and it was getting terrible press around just sort of the cost, even though a lot of the reports were completely ridiculous and that they didn't talk that for 85% or a lot of people that were going to get the premiums or that the subsidies, the help. Um, weren't going to be paying those. Yeah, no, it's the government that pays those <laughs> unnecessary prices then, uh, the price of sabotage, but yes. Right, so so I was expecting it to be to be really bad, but what what is really not shocking, I guess, now that I think it through, it's it's not that I, all that ideological lofty language about like the right to have health care, all that I believe deeply, it's actually kind of like desperation, right? Like, this Affordable Care Act, as we've talked about, between the sabotage, the way it was created, it's a, it's a, it's kind of a rambling wreck, like in, a, in, a, in a little bit. But that rambling wreck inside there is something really critical that people are still finding ways to go pay for, even though it could be more affordable if they wouldn't sabotage it, if they promote it, more people would get in, all of these things. But people are still going in huge numbers for something that we could make so much better because it is so fundamentally and they, important to have health care. And they suddenly cut the, uh, the, the subsidies to insurers uh, to, to cover higher cost people. And now Walker wants to replace that for the first time uh, supportive of a part of the Affordable Care Act with, the, with a state subsidy of $200 million to, to insurance companies. So even Walker thinks he needs to soften his position on health care. Um, you know, Larry Levitt, who's from the, uh, one of the top health experts in the country from Kaiser uh, Family Foundation, say we'll have laughed at you a year ago if you told him enrollment would be virtually equal from 2017 to 2018, if you told him all the things that would be done against it. And so this is a stunning uh, rebuke of the whole right-wing agenda, the Paul Ryan, Donald Trump agenda around health care. And their whole play back to 20, uh, 2009, 2010, where they decide to oppose a lot of things that their party had supported for decades as alternatives to more robust health care reform, and to make this and to blow the partisan dog whistle and say no good conservative could be for the Affordable Care Act. And so this is a stunning rebuke of their whole strategy, which they've not yet get up, given up because these are stubborn, ideological, dogmatic people, and they want to go after Medicaid and Medicare. But it's stunning, and it shows that as bad as partisan politics is in this country and the ideological divide, which is driven by the rise of the, of, the, of the flying monkey right and the Tea Party right in this country, as bad as it is, there are certain realities they bump up against. And the reality is, is that people aren't going to get access to affordable health care unless we, the people, through our democracy, make it possible. Brian, will you get the flying monkey Wizard of Oz music?
for that. Good. I know. Yeah. So again, Robert, you mentioned sort of the failure of the the sabotage approach. It is worth pointing out that overall in 39 states that use the federal website, they saw their enrollment slip. So again, less time, all the sabotage in the eight states. Um, eight of the states uh, that beat last year's sign up ran their own markets, right? So though most of were, the states that had 16 and six of them, six of the 10 that had an increase in enrollment voted for Trump. There you go. So people need health care, Robert. It's a it's a funny Even problem Trump supporters for these guys need health care. <laughs> they all need and health care. Maybe it'll and this is why it's going to be. A lot of people think the biggest issue in this next election, and it had a big impact in the upset in Senate District 10 on the west coast of Wisconsin, and in Virginia, and in New Jersey. And so this is a disaster for them, because now the resistance and the rebuke of their whole health, maniacal health care policy and endless attempts to undermine it and repeal it is now going to have a nice referendum in 2018 and maybe cost them the House of Representatives. So again, not only is this economic uh, issue that we've talked about, the jobs, a, a critical issue, obviously, healthcare. So <laughs> with that, we have managed to rip through 44 minutes of scintillating entertainment for you again another week. Um, Want to thank our producer, Brian Wildridge, who makes it happen and hopefully got that Wizard of Oz music appropriately in there. Um, and of course, uh, next week, we look forward to having Rebecca Lynch join us. And we are Citizen Action. And this is the Battleground, Wisconsin. 